If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, this is uh, Press Gallery host Emma Graney with you. Just before we start the show, I'd like to remind all of you guys to subscribe, whether you do so on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, I don't know, tune in radio. There's tons of places to listen to the Press Gallery. If you subscribe, you get the latest episode right to your device. Makes your life easier, and we would love it if you did that and told your friends. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, Emma Graney. It's Friday, November 17, 2017. And finally, we are calling it the podcast. That's right. Paul Graham Thompson, who isn't here today, who is a regular guest, uh, has been so enthusiastic about this name. Sorry, Graham. It's not the hits from the bong edition. A little safer sale for you. See, yeah, that would have been even better. But <laughs> no, it's not. I'm sorry. Um, guest, Dave Breckenridge, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? <laughs> you had the flu. You're feeling better? I'm feeling better, yes. Excellent. I'm I'm keeping my distance just yeah. in case. But I'm I, I have had my flu shot. So, I am so did I. <laughs> oh, well, that's not very comforting. Uh, <laughs> hi, it's Paula Simons here. And I would like to say congratulations <laughs> to Emma Graney, who speaks to you today for the first time hosting the podcast as a Canadian citizen. I am Canadian now. You're Hooray. Not, you're not wearing the plaid they gave you at the ceremony? The <laughs> You know, the Canadian actually, dinner jacket. I wore a plaid dress yesterday to work, and one of the commissioners at the ledge was like, "Oh, I heard you became Canadian. Wow, you're taking that really seriously." And I was like, "Yep, thanks, mate." Um, and Claire, <laughs> hi. reporter Claire Clancy, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm also very excited. You're Canadian. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming out and celebrating. It was so fun to have so many people there. So I, I went to this really cool event this week. I went to a citizenship. Uh, court ceremony and I was intrigued to see because I've been to several in the past that uh, th- this year because it's Canada's 150th mm-hmm. uh, Emma got an especially embossed thing that said Canada 150 yeah. and they gave her all these passes to national parks and museums oh, yeah. and you, you you have like your summer vacation all worked out for well, you now. The 150 one though they give that to all new citizens and have done for years apparently um, that you can get not the 151 but the pass parks so you get into all national and provincial parks for free you get a 50% off via rail journey you get 20% off at Fairmont hotels you get like wow yeah a whole bunch of stuff museums and art galleries. So it's worth becoming a Canadian citizen for those of you who are not, who are our listeners, who I suspect is a very small percentage (laughs) of of Alberta legislature nerds. Anywho, enough about that. So today on the podcast, God, now I'm really kicking myself. I didn't use hits from the bong, but that's okay. Uh, We're going to be obviously talking about the new pot legislation that was released by the provincial government yesterday, but we're also going to talk about something they released earlier this week, which is about impaired driving legislation and how that will apply to um, weed and high driving. Also, what was he smoking? We'll talk about why Alberta Party leader Greg Clark slept down. And finally, we're going to hit up the by-election. For the purposes of this, I'm calling it the high-election just because it fits in the title. 
uh, of the podcast, which I know is lame, but whatever. I'm pretty lame. So let's start off talking about pot. Yesterday, the provincial government in Alberta, and I think Quebec as well, um, launched how they were planning to sell legalized weed uh, here in Alberta. As we spoke about briefly last week, um, it's going to be private stores, public sales online. Well, yesterday, we found out some more details. But Clancy, I want to ask you about the impaired driving legislation that they released before they even released the retail details. Yeah. So basically, on Tuesday, they released a separate bill. And what it does is update the Traffic Safety Act to be in line with federal regula- regulations under C46. So every province is going to have to do this. They had um, you know, a few months to sort it out. And what it means is that uh, Albertans now have limits of what they can um, smoke and and drive with. So the limits are um, basically anything over two nanograms per milliliter in a blood test would mm. be counted as a criminal offense under the under uh, yeah federal law. But it's hard to know exactly what that means. Obviously, um, how people kind of metabolize THC is different depending on kind of the potency and how much you smoke. So I think that'll be kind of an interesting topic upcoming exactly what uh, what two nanograms per milliliter means and Mm. um, yeah and then also the uh, basically if you're smoking anything above that there are kind of harsher penalties as you go above that and if you're on a graduated license none at all no zero it's a zero tolerance policy Mm. for graduated licenses yeah i mean i would like to think in a perfect world that people would not get high and then drive cars it sort of shocks me in a way that it's taken the legalization of marijuana for us to codify this i mean it's not like people haven't been using the cannabis up until now what (laughs) no (laughs) well what I think is really Breckenridge is shocked. Shocked, I say. What's really interesting, though, is that they um, what the what feds are talking about now is how we're going to be able to do roadside testing for cannabis, right. and that's not actually possible at the moment. So basically, right now, if you're considered to be impaired because of cannabis, you're brought into a police station and and would have to do a blood test. They actually can. Here's this weird thing: they can do it. They they can do roadside tests, but it doesn't. They're not super duper accurate. Like they do them in Colorado and in Australia, they have we have a huge drug problem so they have they the saliva them. roadside test yeah, do, yeah but that's so the feds are trying to bring that into canada so they're right now testing kind of different apparatus for that on tuesday what everyone was asking was how much weed will you be able to smoke and then right. drive and um transportation minister brian mason kind of said you know you shouldn't smoke anything before like 24 hours before getting into a vehicle which is crazy like I, and again i'm not condoning anyone blazing up and getting behind the wheel but the notion that, okay, we're going to have a legal product, people are going to be able to buy it, someone's going to go home and take a couple hits from the bong to, in the theme of the, the show. Take <laughs> Dave's going to get that title in there. Take a couple of pops off a joint, um, sit down, stream some Archer on Netflix, go to sleep, <laughs> have a nice restful sleep, and then get up in the morning. And like, where's the evidence that that person is going to be a threat behind the wheel? I don't I don't. I don't get that. From doing kind of research online and looking at a few papers as well, I don't think there is good evidence for what um, impaired because of cannabis looks like in one person compared to another. And so I'm, you know, I'm really curious about how this will play out. I also think, you know, when you look at someone, for example, who's on a prescription for medical marijuana, obviously their tolerance for THC will be very different from, Mm. yeah, from someone who maybe occasionally smokes a joint. I mean, but this is the problem with with all impaired testing. It it varies so much depending on the person's physiology. Mm. I mean, 
I don't drink when I am out in public because two sips of wine and I shouldn't be driving. I mean, I have, you know, I I inherit from my nice Jewish father the complete inability (laughs) to metabolize alcohol in any kind of sane way, the way Goyim do. So um, I, if I'm out, I never drink because I can't, I cannot trust myself to drive with a half a glass of wine. It's yeah. just, just, you know, that's me. Uh, somebody who's got a much higher tolerance for alcohol uh, would laugh. Indeed, many of you are probably laughing at home right now. Um, you know, uh, sometimes I don't think it's safe to drive if I, if I have a dessert that's been marinated. You know, it's just uh, different. So I, so it's, it's tough enough with alcohol. I can't yeah. imagine with marijuana where, you know, with alcohol, there's, there's a mark right on it that tells you what the potency of the alcohol is. Um, if you're growing your own bud at home, I don't know how you're supposed to know. I mean, I just, I think everybody should be like, be like Paula, children. <laughs> nobody drink and drive. Nobody toke and drive. It's just a bad, it's just a bad plan. Don't eat apples while you drive. Don't text while you drive. Just, you know. Mum Paula says be no. Be good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right on, on the, uh, the alcohol thing. But of course, yeah, that gets completely differently metabolized. I did an RCMP, when I lived in Regina, I did a training the RCMP to detect drink driver it's like training thing so basically I was put in a room with five other people and they just kept feeding me um, rye and ginger ale <laughs> that's how she really became a Canadian yes. that's, that's the actual I, test <laughs> you're welcome Canada um, and the other two women they went and threw up they were so drunk but of course I'm pretty good at alcohol you're Australian and so <laughs> and I was absolutely blasted I was hammered in fact I was drunker than both of the men there and the, and they took me into the little room then to do the um you know walk along a line and my eyes were going different directions I was giggling I couldn't figure out even after ten times how to turn around properly and I was so drunk that they just kept the men started getting too sober so they just kept following more RCMP recruits to me to keep testing on me because I was so <laughs> drunk but then I quite metabolized it quite quickly I guess because Australia thank you for something um <laughs> but you're right and then. With weed, I mean, it's so new, I think, as well, as in actually looking at the science behind it, that nobody knows how quickly it will metabolize. No one knows how much you can smoke and safely dry. And I also will add that, um, yeah, I just kind of was doing kind of the simplest explanations, but there is also another threshold for combined cannabis and alcohol impairment as well. So if you uh, smoke or like have more than 2.5 or yeah, I think it's more than two nanograms per milliliter and like 0.05 alcohol impairment, Mm. then as well that will factor in. So let's move to the rules that we did, of course, briefly talk about this last week about the public-private mix here, but we do know a few more details now. Um, Dave, did you read about this? So the private stores, uh, government-run online sales, uh, they can't sell anything else. Yes. No cookies, no no chips. Yeah, there's no, you can't sell, they can't sell food, no booze, no smokes. Um, edibles are still being worked out by the feds, mm. so they don't come into play right now. They can uh, sell stuff like, you know, rolling papers and lighters and yeah. bongs and things Para- like paraphernalia. that. Paraphernalia. Yes. Yes. Um, At your hemporium. And they, you can't have, the liquor retailers wanted to build kind of. Two-stop shops. Yeah. Like they have, <laughs> like how grocery stores have weird smoke shops in their, mm. in their entryways now because they can't sell cigarettes if they had a pharmacy. They can't do that with weed. Liquor stores couldn't say, like, I'm going to board up half my space and create a separate entrance. They can't do that. That's my, that's my understanding, right? That's correct, yeah. Which is silly. That's, I'm going <laughs> to say that right now. I think that's silly. 
but hey, I still I think that the the whole separation is silly. That's and it it's not just a physical separation too, which is really worth noting here. Um, it has to be a separate business entity. Mm-hmm. So if you if I run Emma's liquor store, I can't then open up under my same business entity, Emma's Hemporium, as Graham Thompson would have loved to have heard. Um, you can't do that. I would have to be like a separate business entity completely, separate business license, separate cannabis license. But it doesn't necessarily mean if you own a liquor store, you, you are barred from selling weed. It just means you have to set up a completely separate entity, yeah. legally speaking, in order to do so. And if I want to set up um, my store to sell potato chips and chocolate chip cookies next to the Hemporium. That would be very smart. Yeah. You need a separate business license All for right. that as well. Because I do not approve of the smoking of the marijuana, but, you know, the eating of the <laughs> chips. Well, it, it's one of those things. That, liquor stores right now, they can sell mix. They can yeah. sell, they have coolers by the door. You can get your ginger ale for your Ryan ginger, especially for you, Emma. You know, that's <laughs> it's not nice even Ryan like ginger. Drink. <laughs> you can, you know, juice all of those sorts of things, accoutrements for cocktails. Yep. Yeah. Lime juice. Yeah. And stuff like that. Bitters and stuff like that. So you can't sell chips. And I, like, I don't get why that would be an issue. Because I certainly understand the alcohol and marijuana. I don't. I, I, I but do, anyway. I, I, do, I do understand that separation because you don't want to encourage people to double down. But I, I can't I can't for the life of me understand why you couldn't sell potato chips. Um, I mean... It's more a nuisance than anything. <laughs> like, Yeah, then you've got to go into... It's inconvenient. And if we know anything about pot smokers, they're lethargic. Yeah, <laughs> that's very it's, true. They don't want the effort. <laughs> I'm, I'm stereotyping here, of course, people. <laughs> like, trust me. Um, but liquor stores can sell beer, wine, vodka, whiskey. They have a whole variety. Like, mm. people can double down. Like, I can walk in and get a Texas Mickey of vodka and a few flats of Pilsner and have a good Friday night. Oh, it'd knock you on your ass. You've got well, a headache yeah, with that, mate. Nah. Um, but no one's encouraging me to buy all of those things. As a responsible adult, I'm making a decision to walk into a store and say, I just want a case of beer tonight, or I want to buy you know, a couple bottles of wine. I don't get why we set up these spaces where we're saying to adults, you are responsible to make an adult decision, but no, we don't want you to be able to buy pot in there, or cigarettes for that matter. If I had my way, I'd be able to set up Dave's Den of Sin and get, <laughs> you know, one-stop shopping, alcohol, marijuana, cigarettes. Iniquity are us. Iniqu- <laughs> but it, does, it just doesn't make any sense. We're more comfortable with convenience stores selling cigarettes, and we worry about kids getting their hands on them, and people worry about kids getting their hand, hands on pot. Why not just sell them all in one place? But where adults can go. But we're still so far ahead of anybody else. I oh, mean, I know. I can't. I, mean, I, 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 mean, I shouldn't I, complain. I mean, we, we, we are. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but we are the only province thus far that said that we're going to have private stores. Manitoba did. If I'm oh, not, Man- oh, Man- I believe Manitoba said they're doing private stores as well. Okay. But like in, in Ontario, where you can't hardly buy a bottle of beer, at, at least, I mean, I think here when people are saying, oh, it should be even more... Uh, laissez-faire than it is. I think it is useful to remember that in places like Quebec and Ontario, um, they are still litigating the whole issue of of, of public versus private. So Saskatchewan too. And I mean, the um, the regulations on how much you can buy are federal, but like, can you give me an example? Like you could walk into a store and buy X amount and then you could buy this like more okay, online? Okay, we talked or? about that yesterday actually. So it's uh, 30 grams is the possession limit if you're walking down the street, which means that's as much as you can buy. And we asked uh, Justice Minister Kathleen Ganley, well, can you get your 30 grams and then go down the street to another store, go in, buy another 30 grams, and then go back? And she said, look, we, 
I mean, we haven't legislated against that right now. We don't envisage that being a huge problem. But if it is, we will revisit it because Alberta is looking at this. And this is what the officials said yesterday in the technical briefing is that they see July 1st, 2018, not as the finish line by any means. It's a starting point. There's so many unknowns and there's so much to work out about how it's going to look, how stuff is going to sell and all of that stuff is that it's going to be a work in progress and they acknowledge that and they know that. Um, so things like that, they're still going to work out. But it's worth knowing as well, the government line online sales, uh, you can't buy, you're not going to be able to buy weed from BC if you live in Alberta. You're not going to be able to buy weed from Alberta if you live in BC. And apparently uh, jurisdictions are going to cooperate somehow to stop that happening so that your delivery address must be in the province in which you live. And so everything will still go through the Alberta Liquor and and Liquor Control Board. I think that's the old-fashioned name for it, but you know what I mean. Alberta Gaming and Liquor Commission. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, I am so interested to see what happens with edibles too because, you know, will mm. bakeries be set up selling baked goods separately? Will they be allowed to sell... Um, like weed that you can just buy kind of at a counter and then also baked goods like well and you right now the feds are going to allow not right now on July 1st the feds are going to allow the sale of cannabis oil so you can use that to make your own edibles at home but you just can't resell those same as you can't resell any weed that you buy same as you can't resell you know any joints that you buy but I mean the whole thing is going to be I mean this is a bold new venture and there are going to be lots of hiccups and lots of unintended consequences <laughs> a whole fantastic point of view. I mean, you know, I, I, I read somebody saying, you know, online, well, how are the merchants supposed to order the stock yeah. if the product is not legal until July 1st and you want to open your door July 1st? Well, you don't open your door that, July 1st. That yeah, came you know. up and they're hoping to get the feds on, lo- on board with like, you know, a five-week maybe period in which... If you're a retailer with a license, you can actually set up your shop. Because, I mean, they're... This is going to be this is going to be a very bumpy. The first the first six <laughs> yeah. months of this are going to be completely yes. whacked. Mm-hmm. But I think it's fascinating from a political point of view. Um, you know, there was a, a lot of su- suspicion, I guess, that Notley was going to go with all government stores to make AUP happy. Um, that didn't happen. I haven't heard a peep from AUP about how upset they are about this. So I'm sure they don't see it as a hill to die on. Really, they they stated their case for public stores but beyond that i don't know is i'm sure they have other fights with the government uh that they'd rather deal with productively than than fight them over this and then the other political angle of course is the tax revenue and i thought it was really interesting that joe cc came out um sort of guns blazing this week and saying that the 50 50 tax split that the feds are proposing isn't nearly enough given that uh, it's municipalities and, and provinces that will have the bulk of the expense of dealing with the regulation and um the you know the health consequences and such. Uh, what did he say? That the federal government must be high if they think that that is. I don't know uh, what they're smoking. If I don't they know what they're smoking. Yes. So okay so yeah. I mean so what is what do we think is going to happen? They're going to work that out, but I think Alberta is going to add its own tax to it um, or charges. I mean municipalities will add licensing fees if you want to set up a shop. Or um, hemporium business exactly. license. Exactly. So I mean they're going to get money other ways here. I mean they're not going to just be putting the federal tax on it, getting half and being like, oh, I guess that's all we can get. Like, they're going to find ways. Like, come on, Albert. Yeah, and I know that the feds have a built-in response to those complaints. I think it's the wrong one, but the feds could turn around and say, well, if you want the money, do like Ontario's doing. 
and set up publicly run stores. And to the credit of the government, they're not going that way. Yeah. But that would be the natural response from the feds. I disagree. I'm glad to see that Alberta uh, and Manitoba are going the, the private route. I want to um, switch gears now over to Greg Clark, who made an interesting decision this week, which we knew he was going to do, and we were chasing around trying to get the yeah, news. And then he, and he made it right after we finished recording last week's podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Um <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Greg Clark has stood down as the Alberta Party leader. Seems like an interesting decision. Well, you know, I guess it's a jumped and pushed thing because certainly, you know, if you think about Alberta Party stock as if this were on the stock market, uh, <laughs> since, I mean, since the election of Jason Kenney as leader of the UCP and especially since uh, the UCP staked out a particularly socially conservative view on the uh, uh, bill 24, which I think was an acid test for them. Uh, I think bill 20, the Bill 24 debate has sent uh, membership sales uh, in the Alberta Party up. It is a it is a bull market in Alberta Party stock, and I, I think that Greg Clark was getting a lot of people sniffing around wanting his job. So, yeah, but why would he? I don't. I still don't know why he would stand down because he's right now heading up a party. That is, um, I mean, it's not the NDP, it's not the UCP. It, it's kind of like a central option. I mean, that's how he's how he stood himself. He's got Karen McPherson on board. Rick Fraser is rumored to be like thinking about it, and he hasn't ruled it out. Um, they've sold out. They already had sold out um, their AGM and had to move to a larger room, what three hundred instead of two hundred. But still, it was bigger, and he, he's heading that thing up. He is kind of. Or was heading that thing up. He was he was the Alberta Party for so long. Why would he, at this critical juncture, just after fighting for extra money and getting it, getting you know more questions in the House? Why is he leaving? It doesn't make sense unless he's being pushed. I think well, being pushed is part of it, and I think there's there's people talking about a, a Tory coup of the Alberta Party, yeah. and even if it hadn't been. Red Tories who were disaffected with the UCP. I think there there are people who, despite Greg Clark being a likable guy and a and a very good politician, um, as not the person to take the Alberta Party into the stratosphere or you know a government in waiting. Whatever, you, like I don't know, they're the Alberta Party. What are they pulling at now? Ten percent, and that's I don't see them getting much higher with Greg Clark. And I like Greg Clark, but beyond that, a leadership race is a great way to bring in new members to your party. And a great way to talk about what your party is going to be and create interest in your party. He's also saying that um, he hasn't decided, he says, whether he's going to run for leadership as well. Again. <laughs> no, no, but, but, but he's in very much a Brian Jean position, right? Where he, he came, he made this party, he was a party of one, he was a very effective uh, opposition member in the legislature. Oh, he worked hard. He was at like most committees... Yeah, mm. and did and did very solid work on a whole bunch of files as a as a one man band. Yeah. Uh, but I think the pressure on him would have been so immense. So by stepping aside, if he if he runs, if he runs and wins, then he is the leader for reals. You know, I think a lot of red Tories are hoping to just you know swallow up the Alberta Party franchise and put some star. PC name at the helm. I'm not sure who the star PC name is. Nobody knows. And Graham has, our colleague Graham Thompson has written a number of columns on this. That this has been a rumor going around for a good year now. That people who are the kind of disillusioned red Tories, as we call them, have wanted to have kind of had their their fingers in the Alberta Party for a while, being like, oh yeah, we're going to force them out. We've got some good names. We've got some different options. And Graham's been asking who, who. Give me, give me some names, and they're like, well, 
like they just have nothing they have nothing to go with so then this weekend is going to be the Alberta party AGM and Clancy's going to go along to that lucky you so that will be an interesting um, political test I think as to who shows up because you've got this Alberta together folks you've got um, the people who are not happy with the whole merger that ended in the UCP and they're going to want to be at the um, Alberta party but also in Red Deer this weekend is the Manning Conference. So I'm hoping that they all converge on Billy Bob's and just giant have a giant like line dancing war or something like that. You know, I think that would be great. Yeah, if you guys could organize that for me, listeners, that'd be great. It'll be interesting to see who's at the Alberta Party um, convention this weekend. But what's uh, yeah, like the speakers slated for the day are Greg Clark and Karen McPherson. So <laughs> the only two Alberta I mean, Party and The questions at the ledge have been kind of who's going to be running for leadership, who's putting you know their hat in the ring, and so far we don't really know. So because you know there are people out there. I mean, I've seen Thomas Lee Kazik's name around, and certainly, I mean, Thomas is bored. I saw him. At Did the Thomas th- tweet his own name? No, no, but uh, but you know, people people who come from that Redford Stelmack Prentice era, uh, lots of them have lots of political baggage, and sure they've got name recognition, and the name recognition isn't always positive. And then you've got you know people have talked about Stephen Mandel. Well, the Mandel family just suffered a terrible, terrible tragedy this month. Uh, His daughter Rachel died of lymphoma. He's been, I mean, they were a very close family. I can't imagine how that has knocked him back, and he's you know, he's getting on too, right? So, I mean, just because you can go back and find, you know, big names from the past doesn't necessarily mean that those are the people who have the right combination of, of skills and name recognition to push the party forward. There's there's a lot of money in those red Tory pockets. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, tapping into those funders, those donors, would certainly give the party uh, a, a huge boost financially, but I don't know that there's somebody out there, the Messiah, who can you know is going to take them to the promised land. Mixing mixing my biblical metaphors here. Maybe it was just a ploy by Greg Clark to get people to put their money where their mouths are. Maybe and then oh nobody's there. See, I so I'm the I'm the one true Greg to leave this party. <laughs> It's like everyone got so mad at the NDP becoming in power. Everyone just has lost their minds a little bit. You got like, ah, we're so mad. Let's just form a United Conservative Party. That'll show them. Ah, we're so mad about the United Conservative Party and the NDP. (laughs) Screw that. We're going to do our own thing. Let's take over the Alberta Party. Like that is basically what's happening. Great impression of the legislature. Thank you so much. Maybe 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 we need a little medical marijuana handing out. You know, (laughs) I think it would it would take take the edge off question period quite nicely. Oh, God, that was mental yesterday. See, this is a fascinating question. I mean, back in the Klein era, it was an open secret which cabinet ministers were schnuckered when they came in to QP. I mean, you know, the the, the, the booze fumes uh, at the legislature were, were a real issue. I'm trying to imagine a universe in which pot is legal and, you know, various NDP cabinet ministers are token up like, before QP hey, in, quite man, the, in, quite, in quite the same way that various, that various Klein cabinet ministers used to get soaked at lunch. And finally, very briefly, let's move down to Calgary, Lawheed. I think I get that right today. <laughs> Ten points. Thank you. Uh, where, of course, a by-election has been called in Dave Rodney's old seat. Rachel Notley called that yesterday and the notice went up on our Elections Alberta. So now Jason Kenny can for reals run in the by-election. It's set for December 14. Which is not, <laughs> you know, I mean, 
if I'm a voter in Calgary Lougheed, now I'm mad because that's, you know, that's my <laughs> prime Christmas shopping it's, time. Exactly. It's Christmas shopping. It's Christmas parties. It's Christmas concerts. If you're a parent, you're driving to 18 different, you know, your kids are involved in 37 different Christmas and seasonal events. But, you know, this is what the UCP asked for. They were like, oh, Rachel Utley won't, I mean, from the second he was elected, why wouldn't she call it by election? It's like, guys. Come, come, come. Before Dave Rodney even left his seat, they were like, she'd better call a by-election. Of course she was going to call a by-election. It's well within the six months. So, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see if the liberal leader, uh, David Kahn, who is from Calgary and has no seat, is... He, I, I he put out a release this. this morning. Said he's making a significant announcement, and oh, David, David's not checking his phone. Because um, I asked him about that actually in the ledge when he was here on the first day of the fall sitting, and I think he said he he wasn't going to, or he he definitely doesn't live in the riding anyway. And the NDP haven't well, said <laughs> uh, The NDP candidate is a doctor actually, and this came up in question period yesterday um, because the doctor emailed his patients and said, hey, everyone, I'm running for the NDP. It was under the thing of, I'm going to still be here for you if you need me, but just so you know, I'm going to be campaigning. And by the way, I'm a total awesome doctor and have served the community a lot. So the UCP have kicked up an absolute stink about that, saying that it is inappropriate use of uh, patient email lists. So that's a side note to this whole thing. Nice. Yeah, da- uh, David Kahn will be making a significant announcement at 11 o'clock today. In Calgary? Uh, in Calgary? In Calgary? In Calgary, No, here. Oh, here. Hey. <laughs> we so should, 11 o'clock. I guess we so should by, go. By the, conference center. By the time you're listening to this, gentle readers, um, you will know what we do not. Yes. So you'll be, you can laugh at us. It, it'll, be, it'll be like Merlin's <laughs> laugh. You know the future and we do not. Let's get this edited quick. Get it out there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that has been a conservative seat for eons basically since the dawn of time. Yeah, so if Ken- Jason De- Kenny doesn't win that, I'll be quite surprised. I mean, it is true that Dave Rodney only won by a whisker last time, but that true, was yeah. in a very particular split of votes in a very mm. particular election. Um, I mean, if Kenny, if Kenny didn't win, it would be... It would be as a lover of chaos. I would, <laughs> I would be stoked with that because then, what happens next? Who else steps down? But, yeah, but Kenny, Kenny won't lose that seat, and and it won't mean anything about the NDP. It's not. It's like this is not a referendum on the NDP government. This is, I mean, they'll use it that way. No, but I mean, this is this is what you do. You don't run a star candidate against a party leader. You let the party leader take his seat. That's the politesse of the Westminster parliamentary system. Yeah. If you're playing nicely. Yeah, well. I don't think anyone in the ledge right now is interested in playing nicely. No. Except the Alberta Party, because they're post-partisan and they're, they're above the fray. That's why Karen McPherson left the NDP to join the Alberta Party, is oh. they, they don't get into the mud. <laughs> or, you know, Starkey <laughs> or Swan, they're just floating above it all too. All right, let's move over to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things that we have read or seen or listened to lately that we think you might also like, dear listeners. Clancy, what do you have for us? Um, I'm going to send a couple of pieces to you to include, but uh, just they're all about what's going on in Zimbabwe right now. There's a military coup. No, um, no, no. It's not a coup. Right. It's not a coup. <laughs> just, just because there are generals re- reading the news on television. And, yeah. and, it's fine. And, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything is always fine. You lived fine in Zimbabwe under. for a while, didn't you? Yeah. I, so I spent a couple of months there in 2013, and I've never met local journalists who put themselves more at risk on a daily basis to try to tell stories about the government. So I think the journalism coming out of Zimbabwe 
right now is really important to look at. And they have, you know, there are a lot of, um, I've been reading a lot of pieces on from BBC because they've been doing a lot of really good coverage and coordinating with local journalists there as well. Um, but yeah, basically, I mean, the latest was, I think this morning, a couple hours ago, a story came out that Mugabe made his first like public appearance. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. He's been ruling the country since 1980. So big changes coming in Zimbabwe, very important for regional stability. For um, sure. Lots of interesting things there. Paula, what do you have? I went last night to the opening of Hades Town at the Citadel Theater, and I recommend that you all buy your Hades Town tickets. Uh, this is a, a, I don't know if you, it's like a sung through musical, operatic kind of musical that had a chamber production in New York, came here to Edmonton. You know, usually before a show opens on Broadway, it goes to a regional theater, sometimes in San Diego, sometimes in Denver, and gets the kinks worked out. This company from New York came to Edmonton, to the Citadel, to do its pre-Broadway. So before this becomes the next big thing on Broadway, you don't have to fly to New York. You can go downtown to Edmonton and (laughs) see this show, which is amazing and which is a political allegory and features before... It would have been written before Donald Trump was even elected, uh, in which Hades, the god of the underworld, sings a song about why it's important to build a wall to keep us free and to keep <laughs> poverty out. It is, it is a thing. It's it's just it's just a fantastic production. Amazing. Did you see that Cards of Humanity bought a bunch of um, land right on the wall on the yeah, border Cards against Mexico, humanity, yeah, so yeah. that they can't build a wall? <laughs> yeah, yeah, classic, so. classic Cards of Humanity. Um, I'm going to recommend a Washington Post read about a Texas sheriff on the hunt for a driver with a profane anti-Trump window sticker. <laughs> and it's a really interesting read. Well, I mean, you know, it says fuck Trump, basically. Well, it, says, it says F black space black no, space. No, it's K. It, yeah, yeah. It, it's spelled out on the sticker. And <laughs> somebody reported it and then this sheriff was looking for the person, but then they were like, ah, oh, free free speech, bitches, kind of thing. And then he kind of take his Facebook post down about looking for these people. And then it's become this really interesting conversation about when it's free speech and when it's, I don't well, know, political this, criticism. Uh, back, back when you and Claire were living in Saskatchewan, this happened here. There was a guy who had a bumper sticker that said F. Harper and he got pulled over. Um, oh. Ticketed, didn't he? ticketed. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was like someplace in, in that Red Deer, that Red Deer Lacombe corridor area. Got pulled over. Got Such a ticket. Such an interesting conversation. I, I wrote a, I wrote a column about it back oh. in the day. I'll go have a look. Um, finally, Dave, what do you have for us, mate? As I was sick this week, I was spent. I spent a lot of time <laughs> not doing a whole lot of reading. I, you know, I was catching up on podcasts and and watching Netflix. Nice. Um, but so I'm going to recommend a podcast. You know, as a new Canadian. You know all about, I'm sure your test was uh, was half about the Tragically Hip. No? No. Okay. While drinking Ryan ginger yes. ale. Um, <laughs> so the front man for the Tragically Hip, everyone knows Gord Downey passed away uh, last month. Um, and I found an interesting podcast done uh, by Uproxx um, where an American interviews a Canadian music writer about... Essentially, it's like an American's Guide to the Tragically Hip, what they were all about and why they didn't crack it big in the States. And it's a, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a music nerd. So it was, it was fun just to hear this American try to analyze. And he's new to the band. He only discovered them after Cordowney passed away. Yeah. And so he's fairly new to the band. And he's trying to, you know, look back in time to why they never made it big in the, in the States. And I just, it was a nice oh, listen hey. while I was recuperating. Excellent. Um, it was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Uh, Claire Clancy, Paula Simons, Dave Breckenridge, and 
photographer Sean Butts, who is here to film some of this. Thank you all so much for joining me. Of course, the film that Sean's going to make and put online at edmontonjournal.com. We can find all the past episodes of the Press Gallery. You can also subscribe in like a billion places, including Stitcher and Google Play and iTunes and SoundCloud and yada, 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 more places. And if you find somewhere that you listen to podcasts and we're not on there, shoot me a line at Emma L. Graney at Twitter or egraney at postmedia.com if you're on the emails and let me know and we'll do our best to get it up online there for you. Thank you guys so much for joining me and join us again this time next week on the Press Gallery.